Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, good morning. It's always so, so good to, for me to see you. I'm always encouraged. Good to see you, Richard. Amongst others, all of you. Um, even those I don't know yet. <laughs> it's good to see you here. Well, I have a hypothetical choice for you today. So try to engage here with this, all right? Uh, it's not really a choice I can offer you, at least not in completely. But the first, there's two, two options. The first one is this. A million dollars a day tax-free for the rest of your life. That sound pretty good? 365 million a year, 366 million in a leap year, right? Pretty good. Okay, that's option number one. Option number two is the opportunity to grow deeper in your faith in Christ. Opportunity to grow deeper in your faith in Christ. And you have to choose one or the other. You can't have both. Which do you choose? Well, you can be assured that through some means, Satan is going to, if you have this choice, is going to whisper in your ear and say, if you have that much money, what do you need faith for? Right? And, and what would the Lord say to us? Well, we're going to see this morning what he would say to us. Let's take our Bibles and turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. We really encourage you to, to follow along in the scriptures. If you don't have a Bible with you, uh, there should be one under the chairs there in front of you somewhere. And uh, we're going to be on page 1390, 1390. And like I said, I encourage you to follow along with this. So here in 1 Peter, we're actually in a verse. We're just going to look at one key verse today that uh, is part of the passage that we actually looked at two weeks ago, uh, the last time I preached. And, um, but it, it, Peter, in the verses leading up to this, and in this verse he talks, he goes all the way back to before the creation of the world, and how we're living now, and all the way looking to eternity. And in the rest of the book, he's talking a lot about suffering because you're a Christian. You're following Jesus, and, and you're trying to do things right, and then you're suffering because of it, and what's up with that? And so he's working through all of that. But, whoa, is everybody okay? All right, good. Got a thumbs up. We're good to go. Yeah, everybody awake now? That's Good. Right. And so they're saying, you know, what's the deal? So here, Peter uh, comes in and kind of in the middle of all of this, talking about how we are going to go through this and some things that we need to understand and way that we need to see things. So verse number seven, first Peter chapter one and verse seven. He's talking, he's talking about a situation. Hey, yeah, you've got some struggles and trials going on in your life. And he says this that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. All right, so let's, let's work our way through here just a little bit and, and make sure we understand what he's saying. When he talks about the genuineness of your faith, he uses a word there, 
when he wrote it originally in, in the Greek language, he used a word that means a faith that has been tried and tested, that has been purified and shown to be real. Okay? We can say that we believe things, but not really believe them. You, you, you agree with that? You feel that way? I believe this, that, other thing, but when push comes to shove, you know, we don't act on it. And so, but he's talking about, no, this faith, it's a genuine kind of faith. And, and um, he says this, he says, being much more precious than gold that perishes. More precious than gold. You know, as gold, when the world comes to an end, gold's going to be gone as we know it. We won't have it anymore. And so he says, it's much more precious, this faith that's been tested and tried and shown to be real in our lives. Um, and so, which choice should you make? A million dollars a day? Or the opportunity to grow deeper in your faith in Christ? I mean, I think in this human world, a million dollars a day sounds pretty good, doesn't it? But what does God's word say? That growing deeper in your faith, experiencing that living by faith in Jesus is worth more than a million dollars a day. You buying it? It's true. We may not feel like it, and we may find ourselves struggling to think that way, but that's true. I want you to understand that, that what we're talking about, this faith, is more valuable than all those things in this world that you think you need. And God can take it. We're going we're to work our way through this this morning and talk about it. He says, though it's tested by fire. And this is the idea, I think most of us are probably aware that that when they mine gold and have gold nuggets, it's because it has to be refined. And part of the process of that is heating it, heating it up to where the, it'll actually, the, the gold melts and the, the impurities that are in it don't melt yet and it floats to the top and they can scrape it off and they can do that process multiple times. And so he says that's the way it is with our faith. When life gets hard, when the temperature gets turned up on us, we find ourselves in the fire, so to speak. He's telling us here that that is a way that God will purify your faith. Just like fire purifies gold, the fires in life will purify your faith. Now, there's, we have to respond properly for that to be true, and we'll be talking about that. But he says that the end goal here is that it, our faith may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The revelation of Jesus Christ being when he reveals himself to us at his return. Uh, it could also apply to you and me if, if, uh, if my life ends before the Lord returns for us. Well, at that point, it's, it's, that's when Christ is revealed to me, right? Because I go to be with him and see him. So whether it's, it's at my death or whether it's in the future point in time when the Lord returns for us, either way, he says that, that my faith, as I've gone through this process in life, that my faith will have brought praise to him. Praise is when we, we're you know, speaking highly of him. Uh, talking about what he's like. We praise him. We did that in our singing today. 
Um, <clears throat> honor. This is when you honor someone, you're, you're acknowledging their rightful place in your life, their role in your life. You're honoring them. And then glory, we talked about, I think a couple weeks ago, it's the idea of God being seen and known. And so the, in my faith, as you could look at my faith, and even for myself as I look at it, but that God can be seen, seen for what he is and how, what he's like and how he works, that his glory. And that is the end game. That's, that's where we want it to go. But it's really good on the way there. And we're going to talk about that as well. So let's... I want to talk about this idea of this faith being is essential. And in some sense, it's a perspective. It's, not, it's, not, it's more than that, but a perspective. How do we look at our lives? How do we look at... You know, everything that's going on in our lives. So let's, let's, we need to have a working definition for faith to know what we mean, because it might mean lots of different things to different people. And, and actually, if you look up the word faith in the dictionary, you're going to find multiple definitions, okay? So let's, what, what God's talking about here um, is a faith that we're going to come up with two kind of key ideas that come together when the Bible's talking about faith. And that is the, are these things. First one is, is, is knowledge or knowing something. Okay? And the other one is then choosing to trust that. And when we bring those two things together, we have faith. It's the idea is if I was to build a new set of stairs here, okay? And, and I told you, I, you know, I built this. I built it, you know, strong. It's good. It's right. And I'm encouraging you to use the stairs, well, you know something, you know what I've told you, and you know what you can see, but that's not faith. You can say, oh yeah, I know those stairs are good. I know they're good. Well, walk up them then. No, 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 no. <laughs> I don't think so. Well, see, there's no faith there. And, and really the reality is lots of times we can say we have faith and we believe things, but when it comes push to shove and we have to actually make a decision, sometimes we don't really have faith because we don't mix that trust with that knowledge. And so it is with God. When God says something in his word and we know what he says, it's when we then choose to trust what he says that we're exercising faith, okay? And so that's what he's talking about. This faith, this perspective, this approach to life is more precious than gold and it leads us to accomplish God's good purposes in our lives and for all eternity. So that's uh, our working definition of faith there. So we want to talk this morning about some things that faith is essential for. This is an essential perspective. And the first one is pretty obvious. I think that faith is essential for becoming a Christian. Most of us who, you know, if you've been around very long, you know this, you have heard this, right? And, and so this is the idea um, and think of it this way. So let's, let's go back and talk about our, our, our understanding of what faith is. So here's what we know based on what God says in his word. Okay, we know that God is a holy God. He's a holy God. That means he's not tempted by sin. He has no sinful desires. He never does anything sinful. It's just totally pure. There's nothing there connected to sin. And we know that about him. And what else do we know? We know about us. 
that we're not like that by nature. By nature, we are selfish, self-centered. By nature, we want to do what we want to do. And that means that we often go against what God has said in his word. We do things that God says we ought not do. We don't do things that God says we should do. And sometimes we do what God says we should do, but we do it for the wrong reasons and with the wrong motives and with the wrong heart attitude. So we mess up. We're not holy. Okay? And because of that, we're in trouble. We don't have a relationship with God. And if we die without a relationship with God, we will not have a relationship with God for all eternity. And the Bible talks about that as hell. All right? And so we know that. But we know something else the Bible tells us, and that's that God loves us. He loves us, and he loves us so much that he provided a way for us to be delivered from the penalty for our sins. Remember, Jesus came. The Son of God came to earth, became a human being, lives a perfect sinless life because he's God in human form. And as he goes and dies on the cross there, the Bible says that God took every one of my sins, the guilt for my sins, the penalty for my sins, which are thousands upon thousands upon thousands, and he placed that penalty, the guilt on his son on the cross. And not just for me, but for you and for the sins of the whole world. He dies, a satisfactory payment for those things. Three days later, he rises from the dead. And what God tells us, and this is this knowledge part in his word, he says that if you will sincerely, genuinely from your heart acknowledge that, man, I have sinned against you, God. I know that's not right. And I, I, I can't fix that. I can't go back and change that. And, and then you will, will say, okay, I know that Jesus died for my sins and rose again from the dead. That's that knowledge that God says. And then God says, if you will then place your trust in Jesus as Savior, he forgives all of those sins. How many of them? All the ones you've ever committed? Really? All the ones you have yet to commit? He died for all of them. That's right. And so we know this, and, and, and we know that if we will choose to trust Jesus as Savior, that he, he forgives all of those sins, and he gives us eternal life, and then he moves inside of us and begins working on us from the inside out to change us, to be more like Jesus. And so we know this. And if we had a list of these statements, you and a lot of other people might say, well, I believe that. But... It's not faith, and we don't really believe it until we say, I know I do, I know this, I what? I am personally choosing to what? Trust that. I'm trusting it for me. I'm receiving Jesus as my Savior. That's what I'm doing. And, and the Bible says when that comes together, that we know these things and we choose to trust, again, every sin forgiven, uh, eternal life, and God himself moving into us and working in our lives. And so... This faith is essential. There is no faith apart from this. There is no faith. And scripture says, for by grace are you saved through faith, right? Not of works. Not of works. There's nothing you can do. There's no money, amount of money you can give. There are no good works that you can do. Uh, nothing that will earn you heaven. Because the sin problem is too big. And that's why Jesus came. And so it's by faith when we choose to believe. 
And then all, everything changes. So faith is essential. It's essential for becoming a Christian. Okay? Now, not only is faith essential for becoming a Christian, faith is essential for navigating life as a Christian. How do I live as a Christian? The Bible talks about faith uh, as being how we live our lives as God's people. Uh, in fact, it says the same way we're saved, which is by faith, is the same way we are supposed to live. Now, when we talk about navigating life as a Christian by faith, what we understand is that faith, again, faith is what? It's two it's aspects, right? It's this knowledge and then choosing to trust. And so we look at our lives and we say, what's the purpose of my life? Why am I here? And we look to the Bible and we begin to find out, we read and we start to understand that our purpose in life here is to really, to do, if you look back in the verses, what does it say? The long, long game here is that uh, the way we live our lives by faith brings praise to Christ, honors him, gives him his rightful place in our lives and his glory that he has been seen in us and how we live our lives. Okay, so we see that purpose and then there's a lot of things, how that fleshes itself out and how we live our lives day in and day out that are going to demonstrate those things. And, and so faith, the Christian life is a life of faith. Not only does it provide us with purpose, but then it says, how do we now live that out in our lives? And so this is the idea. We, we look at our lives and we say, how am I supposed to live today? Let's, any day of the week, right? You get up and, and you're aware of what the day holds to some extent. We never know for sure. Barry, do we know for sure what's going to happen today? You know, Barry almost got killed this week because a tanker truck decided to run over his car. Right? By God's grace, you're here today. We're thrilled with that. But the point is, you never know. You never know what a day will bring forth. But we do look at the day and say, this is what I, I, I think's coming. This is what the, you know, seems like the plan is. How does a Christian do that? Huh. I got to get ready for the day. How does a Christian do that? Well, mostly the same as anybody else. <laughs> Except that you just might want to say, hmm, I need to spend some time with God. And so you think about that. You say, I, I need God's strength today. I need God's wisdom today. I need to be in tune with the Holy Spirit today so he can prompt me and lead me. I, I want to honor and glorify God today. Uh, it, it might be a good idea if I opened up the Bible and read something and talked with God about it, right? So I know that. I know what kind of things are coming in my life, and I know what I need in my relationship with God. I say, you know, I think some time in the Word with God, talking with God. And so I choose to do that. I, I trust that that's true, and I act on it. You know, how do I go to work? What are my attitudes supposed to be at work? Um, when I interact with people, how should I be interacting with people I'm supposed to love? How does, what does that look like? All of these things. And, and so you're knowing these things and you're working on that and you're, you're, you're trying to get it right. And you're talking with God and so you have this knowledge that, and then you, you take steps along the way to choose and trust and to do uh, what he's showing you to do throughout your day. And then that's another day. And then another day. And it's, it's a year and it's a lifetime. And as Christians, we are living by faith, or we should be, if we are going to honor the Lord. Uh, so 
The reality is, is that Christians can easily not live by faith. Because you can get up and just go about life, business as usual, just doing whatever comes your way, kind of just making the call as you go by, as it comes by, you know, and, and um, this shows up in our lives. It shows up in our lives when we start to realize that um, for example, we would choose the gold instead of the faith. That would be an example. You know, when we don't value the things that God says we should value, the things in his word where he says, this is so important, like your relationship with your church and your church family and your, your serving in the church, all these kind of things, all these things are part of it, and, but then we don't, we do something else. And, and our relationship with, with the church and with God's people and, and really thinking about growing spiritually gets way down the list if we get to them. And a lot of other things come first. You know, yeah, I'll do that if I have time, if I have the energy, if I have whatever. And, but see, that's not living by faith. By faith is looking at your life differently. By faith is looking at your life and saying, what does God really say in his word? How am I supposed to live? What am I supposed to do in my relationships? As a parent, how am I supposed to raise my children? As, as a husband, how am I supposed to love my wife? As a wife, how in the world can I respect this guy? Hey, advertisement, there's a class they're going to be talking about that after today. You know, but at work, how do I interact with my employer? What's the deal? What's the long term here for my life? I'm making decisions. All of that kind of stuff. I need to be saying, what does God say? And then I need to take that knowledge and then say, okay, what does it mean to trust that? Well, what it means is I, I do this instead of that. I do what he says instead of what I feel like doing at the moment. Okay? And this is this life that we are to live, uh, to, to a life that honors God through all of these things. Um, and certainly it starts with, you know, this idea of becoming a Christian. So faith is essential for navigating life as a Christian. But there's another thing here, and we see this in the verse, you know, right? The genuineness of faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire. Faith is also essential for seeing trials as opportunities to purify and deepen your faith. In other words, you need faith to grow your faith. You say, what? How does that work? Well, the Bible, in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, the apostle Paul is talking, he talks about the gospel being the power of God and the salvation. In the very next verse, he, he kind of gives a description of the Christian life, and he says that we live it from faith to faith. In other words, when, I, when I'm going through life here and I, I know what God says and I choose to trust and so I take a step of faith, that brings me to a new place in life. If I don't take this step of faith, I don't, I'm not there. You understand what I mean by that? I, I, it's only by taking the step of faith that I get to a new place, a different place where, oh, now, what does it mean to live by faith here? And so, that takes me to another place. And if, if we have to take those steps of faith to grow. But that is also going to bring us into difficulties. 
Anybody besides me notice that life is kind of hard sometimes? You know, Job said it. He said, life is full of trouble and short. goes by fast. Life is short and full of troubles. And sometimes it seems that way. You know, um, God doesn't have to bring trials and tribulation into our lives because they're already there, aren't they? Can you think of one today in your life? Something that's a struggle, something that's a challenge, something that some of you may be here today and say, yeah, I am so overwhelmed, I don't have a clue, I don't know where to go, I don't know what to do. And we get to places like that. But the idea is this, if you will determine just, I'm gonna somehow live by faith, I don't know what that all means, and I, I don't know if I'm always going to get ready, but I'm going to keep working to live by faith. What you're going to discover is that when those trials and tribulations come, things are going to be different than they were before. And you will start to see trials and tribulations differently. My wife is just, you know, she's, I learn a lot from my wife, okay? Uh, but she's talked about our situations and, and, and difficulties that have come into our lives. Sometimes they were difficulties between us. Sometimes they were really hard things with our children. Sometimes it's stuff in ministry and people and, and uh, just all the stuff that happens to all of us. But she learned, she reached a point when all of a sudden we would find ourselves confronted with this is, seemed like a really significant trial or trouble or problem. Well, you know, we naturally want to run away from it, right? We would just want to be gone with it. But not that she didn't feel that way, but she began to say, you know what? I started to get excited because I understood that God was going to do something in my life. I was going to grow deeper in my relationship with him. I was going to learn new things about God that I didn't understand or maybe understand better what I already learned. It's going to deepen my faith. I mean, you've got a choice in life. You can live with the trials and tribulations that come into your life inevitably and just be overwhelmed by them and down, you know, you can take the Eeyore approach. Life is just bad never going to be good. Or whatever, right? Live that way. Or you can, if you're trying to live by faith, all of a sudden say, wait a minute. There's an opportunity here. God is going to use this. This is a fiery trial. That means he's purifying. He's heating up my faith. And it's going to bring to the surface impurities. And we're going to purify my faith. And my faith is going to grow deeper. I'm going to know him better. And I'll be in a better place. And I talked about, you know, how faith to faith. And then you've grown through these trials in your life, and now you can, wow, I can trust God here. And remember, we're going to talk about the blessing in your life, but I can trust God here's business because that means that God gets praised, and I'm giving him my, his rightful place in my life. I'm honoring him, and you know what? He can be seen in my life because of what he's doing. All those things, and it's happening. It's working the way God says that it is supposed to. Work and so these trials are really, really very valuable. But the idea is living by faith will change how you see those things. I don't know about you, I have been steamrolled by trials in my life from time to time. Anybody besides me or feel like that's a good description? Yeah, steamrolled. And but what I've discovered is I've begun to live by faith, and God purifies faith. I am 
steamrolled by a lot less than I used to be because my perspective has changed. I have more of a faith perspective on what's happening here. That, wow, this is actually God is at work here. Seems like a really bad thing, but God is at work. God hasn't abandoned me. All this stuff. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But it, it's kind of like this. It's sort of, um, you can say thank you then to the Lord when trials come. James says that. He says, you know, he says, brothers and sisters, he says, when you fall into all different kinds of trials and struggles, count it all joy. Consider it joy. You say, what, James? What are you talking about? But it's this what we're talking about. It's that you are going to grow. Because he says those trials are going to deepen your faith and enable you to endure, enable you to get through those things. Uh, so we say thank you to him. So when you use your faith, it enables you to grow in faith. It's like muscle growth. Okay, muscle growth. You think about that. Uh, you know, if you go work out the muscles, whether you're actually working out in a gym or you're just doing hard physical work, what happens is those muscles, those tiny tissues in your muscles get torn a little bit. They get stretched and pulled. And then what happens is your body goes to work and rebuilds those in a way that's stronger. Sometimes rebuilds more tissues and, and you get stronger. Well, that's... What happens when you know something that is true because God says it and, and, and or maybe it's, and you know it's true because the Holy Spirit has just so burdened you about it and the idea is then you make that choice to trust it and man, you are getting stretched and you feel like your muscles are getting torn but what's happening is God through that is strengthening your faith. He's deepening your faith. He's making your faith more healthy and more well-rounded and so uh, so important and this is what happened to the uh, apostle paul even him the apostle paul he's talking to the the uh, corinthians and he says hey you know you need to know what happened to us when we were in asia it got so bad we were crushed we were overwhelmed we were despairing he said we we really came pretty close to just giving up on life. Like, let's just cash the chips and it'll be done. He says, but you need to know something. And this is what he says. He says, yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. God was working the Apostle Paul's faith muscles and bringing them to the point of exhaustion and then rebuilding them stronger than ever before. And he will do the same thing in our lives. And so faith changes how you look at life's difficulties. And this is why it's just, I, I call it this perspective, an essential perspective, <laughs> excuse me. And we, we talk about this in, um, when we have funerals or memorial services, because. When you lose someone you love, is that a hard thing? Duh. And we feel sorrow, right? We feel loss. And death is just weird because we weren't originally made to die. You know, that wasn't the original plan. All that. But Paul talks to the Thessalonians and he says, I don't want you to be ignorant. You need to know something. Okay? You need to know something. And what he's saying is, your loved ones are not forever gone. 
They aren't dead and bye-bye forever. No, they are alive with the Lord, and there's coming a day when we will go to be with them. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant of that. I want you to know this. He said, because if you don't know this, you may sorrow like people who have no hope. Oh, but wait a minute. I do know this. And so now I am going to trust it. I am going to be sorrowful, but not without hope. And so by faith, see? I know God's here. I know he's working. He hasn't abandoned me. All of these things. And so it changes how we see things, the perspective. And not just that, it's all sorts of things. And hang on, I'm getting there. <laughs> and so this idea, this proven, tested, genuine faith, he says the genuineness of your faith, uh, it's, it's been shown to be true in your life. And so what God is doing, he's marrying these, this knowledge and your experience of that knowledge. I've experienced that it's true. I don't just know that it's true intellectually anymore. I've experienced it in my life. And let me encourage you. <laughs> now, let me ask you a question first. You don't have to raise your hand. How many of you have ever had a faith failure? I've had plenty of faith failures where I didn't really trust God like I should have. I decided to worry about it instead. That makes good sense, right, John? I'm going to worry about this or whatever, not trusting God, sometimes doing things the way that, that isn't right, trying to meet a need my own way instead of God's way. Faith failures. But who wrote this letter that we're reading from? Who wrote it? It's not a trick. Peter, that's right. That's why it's called First Peter. Peter's first letter here. Peter wrote that letter. What do we know about Peter? We know that Peter was, you know, a, was probably a strong fisherman and, and he's following Jesus and, and he's telling Jesus, hey, with anybody else, everybody else in the world leaves you behind, not me, I'm there for you, I'm with you, we're going through this together, here I am. And, and then the Jesus is, is taken uh, prisoner and he's on trial and Peter's, well, I think, kind of brave. He follows along and sort of sneaks into the courtyard there to see what's going on. And then this young servant girl says, hey, don't you, weren't you with Jesus? No, 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 no. I wasn't with Jesus. And she, yet they press him and then he, he blankety, blank, 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 I don't know Jesus. And then, of course, the, remember the whole idea, the Lord said the rooster will crow and, 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 you'll, and he hears the rooster and all of a sudden he knows what he's done. He's denied, he knows the Lord, he's cursed, denying, he knows the Lord, he's let his fear drive him. He had like major, major faith failure. You know, so much so that Jesus, the Bible tells us that he appeared special to Peter at some point. We don't know what that conversation was, but Jesus appeared special to him. And we see in the end of John's gospel when Peter is still struggling with this, because Jesus is asking him, I, I got something for you to do. And Peter, I need you to do this. And, you know, you love me. And then Peter's like, yeah, well, you know, why? Because Peter's living where? He's living in that failure. He's, he's, he's just stuck there in that failure. The Lord talks to him, works his life, and restores him. And then Peter does great things for God, doesn't he? But I want you to notice Peter was forever changed. 
Peter is forever changed by his faith failure. Your failures are part of the process. God even uses our failures. And I want you to think about this. Don't get stuck in the failures. When you fail, yeah, I have. Lord, you knew about it. This is one of those sins that you died for. Thank you for that. You know, help me now to go forward the right way. I'm going to believe you. I am forgiven. I am not stuck there. You are doing things in my life. The Bible says that you have started a good work in me and you're going to keep doing that good work in me. I'm going to trust that. I know that I'm going to trust that. I'm going to go forward. I'm going to keep working on this. I'm going to keep growing. And even if I mess up. And so I want you to think of your faith failures in this sense. It's kind of like having a junk car. Okay? A junk car that's the same model as the car you're driving. And that can be handy, can't it? Because sometimes something on your car might break down or whatever, and you go to that junk car and pull off the part that you need and then bring it and put it in the new car and go forward. Well, what you don't do is go sit in that junk car and go, oh, I can't go anywhere. This car doesn't run anymore when you've got a perfectly good car over there. So it is with your faith and your faith failures. When you fail... You know what? Those failures become part of what God uses in your life. And so you can go back to that. And just like you go to the junk car, you get a part. You can go back to that, that faith failure and say, oh, yeah, I learned something here. I can see what happened. I, and you can take that and bring it in and, and use that now in your faith. But you don't go back and live here. Who wants you to be stuck here, God or Satan? Satan wants you stuck there, not God. God wants you to believe what he said about you and go forward and trust him in faith. And so uh, this, how we experience trials, and the difficulties of life, if we will do it by faith, it will change so many things in our lives. The fourth thing that faith is essential for is benefiting from life's difficulties both now and forever benefiting from life's difficulties. Because here's the thing. If you don't live by faith and you don't respond to God with faith in in these things in your life, sometimes you don't benefit from those trials. Anybody here really like life's difficulties and trials? No, we don't. Um, so if you've got to go through them, do you want them to matter? Do you want them to count? Or do you want them to be wasted? You see, when we live by faith, they are never wasted. All of those hard things are never wasted. And I'm not saying God has caused those hard things. Most of the hard things in life, God does not cause. Sometimes he does, but most of them he doesn't. But the idea is if we don't make decisions to, I'm going to believe God, I'm somehow going to go forward here, I'm going to trust him, we can waste those trials. We cannot strengthen that faith muscle. Um, So, Benefiting from life's difficulties, both now and forever. Look at the verse there again. 
We already talked about this. He says, the long-term goal here is that our faith may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We've already talked about that and what that means. So that is the eternal things that, that my life is going for. But here's something that faith teaches me, another thing. And that's that as I go through the word of God, and nowhere does it just straightforward say this, but it's very clear. It comes out in and around the word. And that is that When God is the most praised, honored, and glorified in my life, that's when I experience the greatest blessings in my life. You know, we might think of blessings in life as something different. It's this, that, and no. no. Because what happens is when I finally, I take those steps of faith and I, I take, take this knowledge and then trust and knowledge and trust and doing what God says and, and growing in that and experiencing the hardships and being changed through it. What I find is just like I was telling you with, with, with Glenda is that my experience of all these things is now different. And I find when the Lord is the most honored and glorified in my life, I am the most satisfied in my life. Does this, is it making sense? And that is the reality. And so that is, that is not a, that's not an understanding that comes naturally. Naturally we don't think that way, but as we understand what God says and choose to trust, and we keep doing that, it starts to make sense to us. Okay, do I want my, do I want to be happy? Yeah? Do I want to be satisfied? Yes, do I want to be content? Do I want to know that my life is making a difference and that I matter? Do I want to know that I am important and have an important role to fill in life? I want all of those things. But what I discover is when I try to make those things happen on my own, I don't get them. Any satisfaction I kind of get just disappears. I'm trying to make myself feel important by whatever, and that doesn't work. Because inevitably everybody just ignores you, or worse. Anyway, but when, it's when I'm yielded to God and saying, what do you want, God? And I, I say that, I, I, I know that, I make a decision to trust it, I live that way. Wow, there's a satisfaction that comes from the Lord inside. It's not dependent on how anybody else outside of me treats me. There's a joy that comes up inside of me that is not dependent on what's going on around me. You know, I become that light that can shine in the darkness. All of those things. Uh, so it is so crucial that we live by faith and we respond to God in those ways. Let me give you an example. You know, I, I, I said earlier, you know, if we had a list of beliefs and we would all say, oh yeah, we believe those, but we don't always live by them and so we aren't really trusting God about them. Um, consider these sayings that we would all probably agree with. God loves me. God is always with me. You know, God will provide for me. He will give me the strength I need. His ways are the best ways. Would you all agree with that? If, if we had said, if I'd asked you today, are these things true? Would you said yes? We would have said yes, absolutely. Those things are true. But here's the reality, is sometimes those things are just sayings for us. That we know they're true because God's word says it's true. But you know, I haven't really trusted it. Let me give you an example. So uh, the Bible says that God will provide for us. As we are 
seeking to live by faith and do what God wants us to do. God will provide for us. He says that he will do that. And because of that, we can make decisions that trust him. Because of that, I can do what he says in his word because he says, look, I'm going to provide for you. But here's the deal. You need to, by faith, seek my kingdom and my righteousness first. And so when it comes to your money, Walt, because that's what I'm usually thinking about, I think he's going to provide for me. When it comes to your money, the way you're going to do this is you are going to give to me first. And you are going to learn to give generously to me first, God says. Okay, so God taught Glenda and I this lesson many, many years ago when we were first married in those years. And we went our second year, we went away to Bible college and we're poor, poor people financially. But we determined, you know, God, we're going to trust you. We're going to give. And what we had to give was very little, right? But it was big to us. And we gave. And uh, I remember one day, because we had committed in our hearts, we were going to give. For us, this doesn't sound like much, but we were going to give $5 a week to missions to help missions and get around the world. We were doing that. And we showed up at Bible college one afternoon for an afternoon class or something. And it was a spring day or maybe a fall day probably. You know how it gets really windy sometimes? Really, really windy. And Glenda opened her purse to do something. And the $5 that we had left over for groceries, we didn't have a lot of money. The wind blew it out. There it goes. <laughs> and it was gone. We had a choice to make. Do we believe God is going to provide for us? And so we had already committed. We we're going to give the other $5 that we had to missions. And by God's gracious working in our life, we chose to give it to him. And as all of you know, I didn't turn out to be a skinny person because I didn't have enough food to eat. God has always provided for us. And so that's the idea. God has provided for us. So we reached a point in life where, yeah, we're giving to God first. Before we figure out, you know, what we owe the government, before we uh, buy groceries, before we pay the utility bills, we're giving to God first. Why? Because we know without a shadow of a doubt that God will provide us what we need to do what he wants us to do. He will provide for us. And so for me and for Glenda, this, this one particularly, I know, it's no longer a, a saying that you would put on the wall, right? God will provide for us. No, he is in our life. He, he turned up the fire. And that was just one example. I could give you more examples. But in life, he turned up the fire and he, he removed the impurities from this for me. And you know what? When I say God will provide for me, man, I know it. I don't just think that it's true. I've experienced that it's true. See, I mean, God has been at work purifying that area of faith for us. And, and all of these, we, we're gonna, we make our own decisions, we make bad decisions, but if we can settle these kinds of things, they can move from just being sayings to something that we know because we have trusted God and he has been faithful. And that means I can, maybe I can trust him for something else. It's really huge. These things really, really matter in our lives. But the idea is if you hold back from faith, you will not benefit nearly as much as you could have. All right, so how do we deepen our faith? And I'm sorry, I'm running a little late here today, very quickly. 
Uh, first thing you want to do is saturate your thinking with God's word. The scripture talks about, or it gives one example, it says where faith comes by hearing, by hearing the word. By, in other words, taking in the word of God, that will stir faith in you. Let me talk about when it's talking about saturating your life uh, with the word of God. And some of you have seen this example before, and as always, if you've seen it before, you know, just ask God to say, Lord, remind me what I need to know about this, or encourage me, or give me some... If you haven't seen it before, I really want to share it with you. And, and if you're going to saturate your, your mind, your heart, your life with the Word of God, you need to hear the Word of God. Okay? And that's what you're doing here today. Very good. Great choice. And so the idea is, here's the Word of God. I put it on my hand. And what I'm, the, I'm wanting to do is to really get a hold of God's Word so it gets a hold of me. Okay? And so I put it here. But what happens if my life gets turned upside down? If all I'm doing is hearing, if all I'm doing is coming on Sunday three-fourths of the time and hearing the word, and my life gets turned upside down, what happens? Right? I don't have a hold of it. All right, so we want to add something. I'm not just going to hear it. I'm also going to read it for myself. Okay? All right, already what happens in life comes upside down. It's a little iffy. But it's not just falling off anymore because I'm reading it for myself. And then let's say, well, let's not just read it. Let's actually study it. Let's kind of work on it and try to understand it and really grow in that. Now, i got a much better hold on it, right? And as I do that, I run across some key verses, like, like key verse for me. My talk about God will provide. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added to you. Memorize that. I've memorized it. And now I'm meditating on it. Okay? And that meditating on it's not some weird deal. It's more about thinking about it and thinking, what's this mean in my life? How would this look? You know, how's this? All that kind of stuff. And then, let me encourage you, whose word is it? Whose word? God's word. So let's talk to God about his word. <laughs> the whole time we're reading, let's, let's just keep an interaction with God about it. Going through, and that's like this thumb. What we're going to do is we're going to take that thumb now. I got a hold of it, don't I? It could still be taken from me, but not very easily. One more thing. James says, be doers of the words, not hearers only. And I want to say to you that being, being, when you, now I know. I've done all this since I know. And now I'm going to choose to trust. I'm going to do it. I take that other hand. I have a hold of what God says, and it's now got a hold of me. You see what I'm saying? I mean, you couldn't hardly get this thing out of my hands. All right? And so saturate your thinking and your heart with God's word. And then exercise the faith you already have by making faith decisions, things you already know. You know, even things you may already do, but be conscious of it. Think, make, exercise the faith muscle. Go ahead and make those decisions. They might be small decisions, but they're going to build and grow, and God will do great things in your life. And then finally, get connected with other Christians who want to deepen their faith. This is not a do-it-yourself project. Look what Paul says here in First or Second Thessalonians, I think. Uh, he says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other. And what I want you to see is, Somehow those two things are connected to each other. This love relationship, this, you know, experiencing life together because I love you and you love me with the love of Christ and we're working on this. And somehow that helps our faith to grow. And as our faith grows, it helps us to love. 
And as our love grows, our faith grows. You see what I mean? They go together. And so let me encourage you. Please make it a point. I, you need to say to yourself, I need to be connecting with other Christians about our life as Christians if I want to live the life that God wants me to live. And so, you know, we, examples of that, you know, after the, when we're done here today, you know, we're going to have Bible study times, you know, for couples, about what does God say about that? How do we live out? We're talking about Genesis. It's an awesome book, you know, uh, from the beginning of the world, all that kind of stuff. Uh, we have ladies' Bible studies this beginning soon. Uh, we have uh, life groups, which some are relaunching and will be relaunched. And you know what? Even if you're not a part of all that, if you make it a point, I got to get together with somebody, and you get together with another Christian or another two or three Christians, and you, you get together for the purpose of talk, talking about your life as Christians, right? And what God is doing in your life and praying for one. You need that. Don't be just, don't think you can live the Christian life by, you know, I, I come and watch the service or I watch it online and I, I'm good. No, you're not. Can I just be bold and say, you know, you're not? That's great if that's all you can do. But make sure that's do what you can do, and do your best to connect. And so, uh, to say to you today that we, <laughs> we need to grow in faith. We need our faith to be deepened. It is essential. And it's an essential way to look at life, and it's an essential way to live life. And, and it's, it's, it's going to be what matters to us when we make it to heaven one day. And it's what's going to make our lives meaningful now. I, I, I already preached all that. I'll stop. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, please stir our faith. Help us to see what's really true and then to trust. And oh God, I ask you to, to show us in those areas in our life where we can make those decisions and what we can do. And Lord, I pray that you be honored and glorified by our, our steps of faith. And we live our lives for you the way you want us to. And I pray it in Jesus' name, amen.